Jesus is sending his disciples out on their own for the very first time. Before he does, he gives them some coaching in Matthew 10. He teaches them all kinds of things. He teaches them where to go and preach. He teaches them what kind of attitude to have as they go. He teaches them how to treat people. He teaches them what to do if people won't listen. In the middle of this coaching, Jesus gives his disciples a basic principle. Freely ye have received, freely give. I want you to say that with me. Ready? Freely ye have received, freely give. One more time. Ready? Freely ye have received, freely give. Jesus is moving his disciples' eyes off of their own needs and onto the needs of others. It's a great weakness of all of humanity that we are all wrapped up in ourselves. It's a weakness because this self-centeredness runs completely contrary to the abundant life that God wants to teach us. And nowhere is the antidote to self-centeredness stated more profoundly than in these words. Freely ye have received, freely give. Say it with me again. Ready? Freely ye have received, freely give. Let God's love flow out of you as freely as it flowed in. Let God's truth flow out of you as freely as it has flowed in. Let God's peace flow out of you as freely as it has flowed in. Last Sunday, we had a wonderful service last Sunday morning. I went out of here saying, man, this is uh, one of the greatest Sunday morning services I've been a part of in a long time. This was a blessing. It was wonderful. But I didn't want to just let it stop there. So throughout the week, every time I had the chance to tell somebody about it, I shared it with them. Why? Because I had had a blessing from the Lord flow into my heart. I wanted to let it flow out of my heart. Freely you have received. Freely give. Last Monday night, we, Amy and I were invited to, uh, actually for the last, I don't know, four or five years we have been, to the Harbor Light Baptist Church in Orange, Connecticut. And uh, I love going to the church. I love the people there. I love the service. I love everything about it. The thing I love most is right up the road from the church, there is a chips and uh, best pancakes in Connecticut. And so I know that as good as the service is going to be, the meal after the service is going to be even better. So we went to Chips on uh, uh, Monday night after the service, and they were just about ready to close. And I can't—I don't like to do that to a, a restaurant staff to go in there and order five minutes before they close. So I was disappointed. But uh, anyway, that's, I didn't plan to tell that part of the story. I, I did plan to tell this part of the story. It was a tremendous service. Tremendous service on, on Monday night. Pastor Bish preached, and, and Pastor Bish preached on prayer. And he preached things on prayer that have stayed with me all week long. It flowed into me. And that's why on Wednesday night at prayer meeting, part of Pastor Bish's message flowed out of me. And, and I shared it with those of you that were here Wednesday night. Freely you have received, 
freely give. We are not healthy Christians if all we do is take in. We've got to share what we take in with other people. Otherwise, we are, we're not going to be healthy. Yesterday at the teen rally, oh, it was great. And I left here blessed, and, and many of you left here blessed. I wonder if you have let it flow out yet to somebody else. I wonder if you were at the teen rally yesterday and you rode the bus today, if you let that flow out to other people and say, man, it was so good yesterday. God blessed. And here's, what's hap- here's what happened. And, and uh, we enjoyed it. It was so good. I wonder if uh, teenagers, if you let it flow out of you when you went home yesterday to tell your mom, your dad, your sisters, your brothers, oh, I, I, it was so good today and, and I enjoyed it and uh, the Lord moved in my heart and I made a decision and, and it was just great to be uh, with other Christian teenagers and to, to uh, hear the word of God preached. Did you let it flow out of you? Freely you have received. Freely give. Churches are filled with bloated believers. People who take in far more than they give out. When you take in more than you give out, what builds up in you is pressure. There's a thing that you can do with a uh, water bottle. I'm not very, I'm not good at tricks. But other people have showed me this trick where you, you take the lid. You, I think the bottle's got to be empty or maybe for effect you can leave a little water in there. And uh, Oh, we got one right here. And, uh, but it's too full and I don't want to waste that water. But you write about here. You, 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 this is the way I understand it. You put it so it's just barely on there. And then you twist it right here. Try this at home. And uh, you twist it right here. And you keep twisting it and keep twisting it. And if you do it right, that lid will just go flying through the air and, and it will hit your mom in the back of the head and you'll get a smack in the head and it will all be good. What, what is that that does that? It's, it's pressure that does that. Pressure building. I did something similar to that recently, not on purpose. Amy and I were traveling somewhere, and all of a sudden, uh, I just had the, the worst cramps, and so I stopped, and we were on our way somewhere. I said, I know what, I didn't have a, a cup, I didn't have anything to, to uh, uh, so I, I stopped at a deli, and I ran in, and I got a bottled water and a packet of Alka-Seltzer. And I went outside, and I drank the water down to here, and I put the Alka-Seltzer in, I let it do its thing, and I put the lid back on. I wasn't thinking, I put the lid back on. And when it did its thing there and it was ready for me to drink, and by the way, it did, it, it did the job for my stomach, but I took the lid off and the lid, you know, big old explosion, and the lid went uh, uh, flying up to the ceiling of the car and so forth. I just wanted to share. <laughs> that, that, that flowed in. I wanted it to flow out there. But uh, anyway, what we're talking about there, though, is pressure. You know, we hear a lot of talk about pressure. And I wonder if a lot of the pressure that we feel spiritually, listen, don't dismiss the spiritual elements in your life. Don't dismiss them as insignificant because let me tell you, the spiritual principles in your life and the spiritual components of your life 
Not only are they not insignificant, they are the most significant elements in your life. What are you, what are you talking about? Okay, We're, what's going on in my life? What's going on in my mind? What's going on? You know, uh, it, could, it could have to do with the money situation. It could have to do with my relationship situation. It could have to do with my work situation. Um, well, hey, did you ever think that it could have something to do with the fact that you've been taking in but not giving? Oh, Pat, that's just church stuff. No, that's a spiritual component of your life. And it is more impactful on what's going on in your life than all those other things. We have this crazy idea. We're caught up in this thing that every problem in our life either has some sort of a financial fix or some sort of a medical fix. You know, there's got to be a pill to help me with this. There's got to be some prescription that will help me. to. And the fact of the matter is, and I believe this with all my heart, I believe that every issue in my life, the solution is spiritual, and I've got to find the spiritual solution. It doesn't mean that there are no physical remedies. I take my medicine, and I try to do the things I'm supposed to do, and I believe in diet. I believe in it. I always practice it, diet and exercise and all that good stuff. But the, the, the bottom line of everything in my life, the problems are spiritual. The solutions are spiritual. I believe that well in my heart. And it just may be that the pressure you feel is because you've been taken in, taken in, taken in, but you haven't been given out. And you are spiritually bloated. Freely you have received. Freely give, it says. Jesus said, if you're not giving as freely as you're receiving, you're not spiritually healthy. Someone stop thinking about himself to care about you. Now it's your turn to stop thinking about yourself and care about someone else. That's what it means when Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. I'm a pastor. I often think about my pastor when I was growing up, Pastor Earl Eastwood. And I don't know all the details of his story. And he is my mother's uncle. So I, he's my great uncle. I'm his great nephew. But he was my pastor. He was a, a church member. I don't mean to, to, to diminish who you are, but I'm just saying he wasn't a preacher. He was just a church member of the Red Mills Baptist Church in Mayapak. And Patterson Baptist Church in Patterson, New York, was without a pastor. And this would be, I believe, late 60s, early 70s. And so the pastor of Red Mills Baptist Church, Pastor Nsinga, in my memory, I believe this is true, he wanted to help the Patterson Baptist Church. And so he, I believe, he sort of sent Pastor Eastwood over. Of course, Pastor Eastwood wasn't Pastor Eastwood. He was... Uh, a man in the church, a deacon in the church who was, uh, he worked at Suburban Propane over in Carmel. And uh, he said, could you go over and fill the pulpit for a while? And he went over and filled the pulpit for a while. And the people of Patterson Baptist Church said, uh, said you know, we, we, like, we like you and we wonder if you would consider uh, being our temporary, you know, officially our temporary pastor. And then eventually they said, you know, we want to hire you as our 
pastor. Now look, we're talking about a man who had never been to college to train to pastor. Not that you have to be, but that is sort of the routine. He worked for a fuel company. He was a deacon in the church. He was doing his pastor a favor by filling the pulpit for a little while. And now the people of the church said, we want to we hire you to be our pastor. So he got advice from his pastor, and his pastor said, sure. And he officially candidated, and they voted him in as pastor of their church. This is in the early 1970s, maybe late 60s, I'm not sure. He became their pastor, Pastor Earl Eastwood. He, he pastored there for over 25 years. And he was my pastor when I was a boy. And when I think, of course, I didn't know all that was going on. All I knew was I showed up for church every Sunday, and there was Pastor Eastwood. Everyone else called him Pastor Eastwood. I called him Uncle Earl. But there was Pastor Eastwood. There's my pastor. And he's preaching the Word of God, and he's running the church. And the, the church wasn't huge. There were may, maybe at that time 50 people. I'm guessing. I didn't know. You know, when you're, when you're five years old, you don't take a head count, but that's, sort, that's what's in my mind. But he made sure that the Sunday school ran every week. And, and he made sure that everything rolled as it was supposed to. And I didn't know how hard it was for him. All I knew was I went to church every Sunday. But now it's my job to make sure that everything's in place every Sunday. It's my job to make sure that there's Sunday school teachers to teach. It's my job to make sure that there's a message for you every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Sunday night, uh, every Wednesday night. I, I stuttered there. Uh, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. Now it's my job. And as I look back at my pastor doing his job, by the way, this is how like temporary it felt. This sort of makes it makes it human. My my his wife, my aunt Helen, who passed away just a couple of years ago, she was so unsure that it was going to work out, and she was the treasurer of the of the uh, Red Mills Baptist Church that she didn't want to resign. She didn't resign her position as treasurer of Red Mills Baptist Church because she wasn't so sure that it was going to work out over here at Patterson Baptist Church. So her husband's pastor over here, and she's still a church treasurer over here. That's the human side of things. That, that sort of brings it home that, that uh, you know what, things, it's always a struggle. It's always a challenge. It's always a little uncertain. But I've got to be willing to face that struggle and take on that challenge. Why? Because others did it for me. Freely you have received. Freely give. Someone did what was necessary to make the truth of God flow to you. It's your turn to do what is necessary to make the truth of God flow to others. Somebody handed a tract to you. Who are you going to give a tract to? Somebody knocked on your door. Whose door are you going to knock on? Some coworker nervously witnessed to you. Which coworker are you going to witness to? I praise the Lord for those of you who are Sunday school teachers. And every week, you cause the Word of God to flow to the people in your class. 
Every week, you do the work, you read the scripture, you prepare a lesson, you come to church early, and you come to church prepared, you come to church prayed up so that two or three or five or ten people who sit in your class can have the word of God flow to you. Hey, remember the first time somebody shared it with you? Remember, and I'm, I'm only being slightly sarcastic here, but remember when you used to enjoy coming to church here? Remember when you came to church the first time and you're like, man, I've never heard this before. This is so awesome. I've never felt this before. This is great. You may have gotten over that. You may have gotten used to that, but now you've got some people who sit in your class and they need you to come to Sunday school with that same flow going on that you received when you first came. I praise the Lord for the teachers who taught me me uh, uh, Sunday school when I was a boy. And uh, I don't know why, and this was uh, totally up to my pastor, my Uncle Earl, uh, but... but uh, I think it had something to do with the manpower in the church, but all of my Sunday school teachers when I was a boy were, were, were women, which is fine. I learned the Bible just fine. But uh, my mother was one of my Sunday school teachers, and my Aunt Helen was one of my Sunday school teachers, and Mrs. Bertalovitz was one of my Sunday school teachers. Mrs. Bertalovitz, I got a burden. I was probably eight years old. Uh, and I just got burdened to memorize Scripture. So I just took my, I had to be about eight years old, and, and I just took my little picture Bible. You, you, know, you have a Bible that had pictures in, pictures in it? And I took my little picture Bible, and I just totally randomly opened it up and said, I'm going to memorize that verse right there. And here it was, 1 Samuel 30, verse 11. I'm, I'm telling you, I committed this verse to memory. Mrs. Bertalovitz was my Sunday school teacher. I, I memorized it. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And so I went to Sunday school the following Sunday. I said, Mrs. Bertalovitz, I learned a Bible verse this week. And she said, all right, let's hear it. And I, I quoted it to her. And she very graciously said, she said, that's a good verse, Joey. She said, now I've got some other ones that may be a little more helpful to you. <laughs> and she, one verse at a time, gave our class the Romans Road. And I use the Romans road every week of my life to this day. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin is the death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I learned those verses one week at a time in Mrs. Bertalovitz's Sunday school class a hundred years ago. <laughs> I praise the Lord for an old, uh, I shouldn't say old, but, but you know, when you're a kid, all grown-ups are old. A, um, but she was a retired, I guess, country singer. That probably has a lot to do with who I am today. But uh, Mrs. Martin, she had actually, they had moved up from Tennessee, and uh, she, had actually, uh, she had actually cut some records. 
And uh, boy, that was one of my favorite specials whenever once a month she get, just suppose God searched through heaven and that guitar, and it was great. Mrs. Martens was one of my teachers. Mrs. Alibo was one of my teachers. Listen, how can I refuse to let the word of God flow to my Sunday school class every week? I've got to come in here prepared. I've got to come in here and do my best. Freely you have received, freely give. Someone was burdened for your eternal soul. It's your time to be burdened for someone else's eternal soul. Can you think of that person? And some of you don't know who that person is, but I guarantee you for everybody who's saved in here, there's a person that prayed for you to get saved. May have been your mom or dad. May have been your pastor. May have been a co-worker. Can I ask you, who are you praying by name that they will get saved? You say, Pastor, I am scared to death to witness to them. All right, we'll get to that in a minute. But before we're talking about witness to them, are you praying for them? Hey, would you fast and pray for them to get saved? Somebody got a burden for you. Now's the time for you to get a burden for somebody else. Do you pray for your family members to get saved? Do you pray for your co-workers by name to get saved? Oh, Pastor, that'll never happen. If you don't pray, it'll never happen. Do you pray for your fellow students to get saved? Do you pray for your neighbors by name to get saved? Do you pray for the people that you meet to get saved? People you meet, I'm talking about you do business at the same place again and again. Do you pray for them to get saved? Someone sacrificed so that you could know Jesus. Jesus calls upon you to sacrifice so that someone else can know him. The ministry costs money, and we always have money for everything else, it seems like. How much do we sacrifice for the cause of Christ? Ladies and gentlemen, we will never reach the loss for Christ on our spare time and our spare change. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Freely you have received. Freely give. Someone overcame their fears to influence you for Christ. You've got to overcome your fears to influence someone else for Christ. This is a very famous story, but I'm going to tell it nonetheless. About a Sunday school teacher in Boston in the 1800s. Quiet man. In a congregational church in Boston. One day a new kid came to class. Sort of cocky kid. The kind of kid, and I, I didn't, I'm not making this up. I, I read this in a, in a biography. This is in the 1800s, and I can't even do it with these chairs. I'm not maybe not going to be able to do it, period, anymore, getting old. But. So all the kids are sitting in the class, and this new 16-year-old kid comes into class. He had just moved to town, and he's rocking back in his chair. You know, you got a four, four legs on the chair, and he's rocking back on the back two legs. Just that kind of a kid, chewing gum 
in class and so forth. And I know that doesn't sound much like a rebel in 2018, but, but uh, back then it just impressed his Sunday school teacher with how this kid was just, you know, hey, just sort of, sort of wild. He got a burden for this kid's salvation. But he never seemed to have the chance to talk to him at church. He found out that the kid had moved to town to work for his uncle. His family was very, very poor. They lived a couple hours away, actually a couple, more than a couple hours. That would be by car, a couple hours. But a uh, long way away, so his family was very poor, so he had this kid had moved to Boston to work in his uncle's shoe store. One day the Sunday school teacher decided, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to talk to him. So he went downtown And he just stood outside of the shoe store trying to get his nerve up. Trying to get his words together. And he's walking back and forth. Well, the kid is inside the shoe store. And he looks out and he sees a Sunday school teacher out there. So he walks out. He says, and the kid's very outgoing. He's got a lot more nerve than the, than the teacher does. He said, Mr. Kimball, what are you doing out here? And he said, well, Dwight, I, um, uh, you know, you've been in my class for a while now, and I just, I really have been wanting to, uh, well, I just wanted to come down here and, and uh, see if, um, uh, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you if you know Christ. And Dwight said, oh, I, I guess, and he said, no, I don't think you understand what I'm asking, and his Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, gave him the plan of salvation. Listen carefully. Dwight Moody got saved and became one of the greatest evangelists this nation has ever known. And studying see if this is not true. I'm not making this up. D.L. Moody in his meetings, one day a young Bible college student came up to him and said, I want to, after one of his meetings and said, uh, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. And D.L. Moody led a man named J. Wilbur Chapman to Christ. J. Wilbur Chapman, in, he became an evangelist and he had big citywide meetings. And one day a young man came up to him and said, uh, hey, I, I used to play baseball. For the Chicago, I think it was the White Stockings, if I'm not mistaken. And, and he said, I was a professional baseball player. He said, but I, I got saved. And he said, I want to serve the Lord. And J. Wilbur Chapman said, you can work for me. And that kid's name was Billy Sunday. When J. Wilbur Chapman retired from the ministry, Billy Sunday took over his, his ministry. One day, a young man named... Mordecai Ham got saved in a Billy Sunday meeting. Mordecai Ham went into the ministry. And he had big citywide meetings. And one day, and this is the true story, one day a young man named Billy Graham came into Mordecai Ham's meeting and got saved. And Billy Graham is credited with speaking to more human beings on any subject. And praise the Lord, that subject was the gospel of Jesus Christ than any man who's ever lived on planet Earth. 
And it roots all the way back to a nervous Sunday school teacher who said, I got a kid in my class and he's got to hear the gospel and I'm scared to death to tell him. And so he went down there and he paced back and forth until that kid came out and that all of that influence, all of those, we're talking millions of souls, roots back to a Sunday school teacher who overcame his fears. Let me tell you, who is it that you know good and well God wants you to witness to, but you're scared to death? Someone overcame their fears to witness to you. Now it's your turn to overcome your fears to witness to somebody else. How long has it been since you forced yourself to overcome your fears in order to witness to somebody? Now very quickly, we're almost finished. Why in the world did Jesus tell his disciples and then through the word of God, through the scriptures, tell us, freely ye have received freely give three simple reasons number one because jesus knows that we each owe a spiritual debt romans 1 verses 14 and 15 i am debtor both to the greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and to the unwise so as much as in me is i'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are rome at rome also paul was saying i owe a gospel debt to every human being. And I'm going to do my best to pay it. We call that today paying it forward. That someone did something and reached out and helped us. And we repay them by, pay, by helping somebody else in need. And we owe a gospel debt to everybody. And yet did you pass out a single track even this week? Did you witness for Jesus Christ even once this week? Are you involved in anything in your church that is a ministry that gets the gospel out? Do you make any contribution to move the work of Jesus Christ forward? Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus told us this because he knows that we owe a spiritual debt. Also because he wants us to earn eternal rewards. There are many verses in the Bible that tell us that we will be rewarded for our service, including our service, and maybe even especially our service of giving the gospel to others. I think my favorite is Daniel 12, 3. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. They that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. God wants us to earn eternal rewards. And I don't think there is any other way that you're going to earn rewards that compares with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus tell us this? Freely you have received, freely give. Number one, because we each owe a spiritual debt. Number two, because he wants us to earn eternal rewards. And number three, because he knows that this is the only way to true happiness and fulfillment in life. By thinking of others and not ourselves. By realizing that others have sacrificed for me, I need to sacrifice for others. 
Freely you have received. Freely give. Listen to Luke 9, 24. Whosoever will save his life. That means hold on to, protect his life. Whosoever will protect his life, shall save his life, shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. What does that mean? That means if you, if you like your life, if you want it to be blessed, if you want to succeed for the Lord, if you want to succeed, period, you got to let go. You got to let go. What is Jesus saying there? You don't save yourself by holding on. We're not talking about salvation going to heaven. We're talking about looking out for your own interests. Well, you know, I, I want to, uh, I got a lot of plans and ambitions and I want to see them come to pass in my life. So I'm going to hold off on this just surrender thing. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Listen, self-centered people live miserable lives. Freely you have received freely give. What area of your life is it that God is speaking to your heart right now? You need to let go and you need to give as you have received. The the receiving nozzle in your heart is huge. But you've got this tiny little pinhole at the sending side of your heart. And I wonder your heart's so full of pressure. You got blessings building up. And, and uh, what happens when liquid builds up? It grows stale and nasty. And yeah, that could be what's going on in the hearts. Why don't you let it flow out the way it flows in? Freely you have received, freely give. Let's bow for prayer. Father.